can grab a seat. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. If you haven't met me yet, my name is Ryan. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here. I'm really excited to continue our series uh, that we've just entitled All In. At the beginning of the year, we've been taking individual kind of aspects and areas of our life and asking the question, am I all in with this area of my life when it comes to my relationship with Jesus? And I don't know about you, but it's been both challenging and encouraging for me. So far, we've talked about our money, our body, and man, did I not want to talk about my soul last week, but it was so good for me. Thank you, Matt, for that challenge. And the next two weeks, uh, I'm going to be talking about our relationships. Yes, that's right, me this week and next week. So if attendance is low next week, I know it's because I warned you it was going to be me. So now you have to come just so that I'm not insecure about my preaching abilities, okay? But here's what we're going to do, talking about relationships. If if you were in a marital fight in the car on the way here, if maybe you're in a dating relationship that you know you shouldn't be in, or you're single and you don't want to be single, take a deep breath. That's not the kind of relationships we're talking about. So don't worry about it. We might get to those another time. But this week, we're going to talk about our Christian relationships, the community that Matt talked about when it comes to us coming together. To, it takes a village, right, to raise children, to, to do life, to, to bring the, the kingdom of God to our city. It takes Christian community. And then next week, we're going to talk about our friends that don't know Jesus and what we might be able to do to, to help introduce them to the Savior that has transformed our lives. Sound like a good plan? Cool. Let's pray, and then we'll get to it. Father, I thank you so much for just an opportunity to to sing together with the saints, to to, to, to to obey the commands of Scripture, to sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another. And, and God, I'm thankful for the people that are in the room that aren't really sure where they're at with you, that they could experience what it, what it means to really worship you. God, I'm thankful for your word, for the opportunity we have to look deeply at it this morning. I pray that, that you would not allow us to be comfortable in our isolation. God, that we would be called out of loneliness and isolation and into community even when it's difficult. And even when people break our hearts, sin against us, and hurt us, may we still be reminded of your word that, that community is worth it that you've called us to it, and that we should be active participants in it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to be honest this morning, not that I'm usually not, but I'm going to be transparent with you. This is an extremely difficult message for me to write this week. I stared at a blank sheet of paper much longer than I normally stare at a blank sheet of paper um, I was struggling so bad. At one point, I had I purchased this online preaching class that I've been wanting to take for a while, and I just haven't got around to it. And it was so bad, I was like, I'm going to watch a couple videos of this preaching class, and maybe, just maybe, it'll give me something, right? I'll, maybe I'll come out of it renewed and feel like I know how to preach again. And I just, I just struggled with it. And the reason I struggled with it is because historically, myself and my pastor friends, I think... I know I have, have, have spoken about Christian community in, in kind of some cheap, cliche ways. 
Um, we, we have these cute phrases, and it's often we preach this message when we're launching small groups. And we're trying to convince people to sign up for small groups, and it's going to be great. And it's going to change your life. You, you should do the thing that we want you to do. Anybody ever sat through one of those? I've preached them before. I really have. I've done it, and I didn't want to do that. One reason I didn't want to do this because we don't have enough room for everybody to join small groups. We've only got six small groups, and like most of them are full already, which is a problem. We'll fix that eventually. But man, I, I just wanted to avoid cliches. I didn't want to overpromise and underdeliver. So I don't know about you, but my reality when it comes to Christian community, it's been filled with some of the best experiences of my life and some of the absolute worst experiences of my life. And how can I acknowledge that tension this morning while still preaching to both you and me what I believe to be true in God's Word, that it's worth it, that Christian community is, is what we're called to, while still acknowledging that it really often falls short of what we hope that it will be. And so I wanted to start by just telling you a couple stories of some friends of mine and their experience with community, Christian community, and my own experience with Christian community to try and build that tension as we lead into what I hope will be calling us out of our contentment and isolation and into Christian community. I had a friend in Pennsylvania named Seth, and it's by God's grace that we became friends. Uh, our church in Pennsylvania had two services, a 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. And one week, we decided we were going to change, and we were going to go to one 10 a.m. service. We were going to try and pack the house. It was going to be great. It was going to be awesome. Um, Seth didn't get the memo. And so he did what he has done for most of his life, which was show up to church, what he thought, 20 minutes late. He, he literally had a time to, like, when the last song was about to wrap up, he would come in, and he would listen to the message, and then he would leave during the last song. This was Seth's kind of pattern of behavior. And, and unfortunately for him, he missed the memo that we switched to a 10 a.m. service. So he showed up to a 10 a.m. service at 920, and he was just sitting by himself in an empty pew. And that's like, that's like pastor, like, candy, right? I'm just like, there's a guy here 40 minutes early by himself. I'm going to talk to him. Um, and so thankfully, through that one accidental encounter, I was able to kind of call Seth out on this idea that he had. And this idea that he had most of his Christian life was following Jesus as an individual thing. It's between me and Jesus. I don't need anybody else for me and Jesus to have a relationship. This was Seth's perspective. And, and through some pestering and some annoying him, he finally decided to come to our small group. And, and over the years, he ended up becoming kind of the central hub of our entire community. He was the guy that everyone was connected to. Or my friend Billy. Billy was a little different than a lot of other people, and he just never felt like he fit in. He tried church after church after church, and he just couldn't find a place where he fit in. Or my own experience, or maybe one of your experiences, where, where I've been in vibrant Christian community, and then I've been in Christian community where the people that I love the most let me down the hardest. Lastly, my friend Rob, who reluctantly came to a small group telling me that he has always found better and deeper and more meaningful community at the local bar than at the church. My guess is that most of us can resonate with at least one of these tensions. Most of us have experienced at least one of these situations when it comes to our Christian. And even, even if you're godlier than me, 
and you aren't yet jaded around this idea of Christian community, we live in a culture where it's just so easy to become isolated. Think about it. You work from home. You shop from home. You Anybody bank from home? You go to, anybody go to the doctor from home? I did that the other day. I went to the doctor from home. That's crazy. You go to the doctor from home. You work out from home. And sometimes we even go to church from home. And all my introverts said, amen. <laughs> right? But if we're not extremely intentional in our cultural moment, it will be very easy for us to slip into a pattern of isolation and loneliness. And somehow we're still crazy busy. How is that possible? How are we lonely and isolated and busy at the same time? This is the the cultural moment that we find ourselves in. I heard one psychologist put it this way. He said, people are doing, and I think that's a little accusatory, if I do say so myself. So I'm going to soften it. I'm going to say unintentionally falling into. He says we're doing it on purpose. I say it's an accident. I'm a little bit of an optimist. People are unintentionally falling into a life that destroys their mental health and robs them of real joy and lasting fulfillment. Seems like we have a lot working against us when it comes to a vibrant, healthy expression of community. We've got bad experiences, busy schedules, an isolated culture, not to mention an enemy of God that prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to destroy you. And I don't know if you watch National Geographic videos of lions hunting, but they don't go after the pack. They go after the isolated animals. And so if the enemy can isolate us from our Christian community, he can destroy us. And with all of that as our backdrop, very depressing, I know, we find ourselves tuning into an hour-long service that we call church, which is really problematic because the word church has nothing to do with an hour-long service or a building we walk into two to three times a month if we're lucky. The word church means an assembly a group, a community of called-out people. First Peter says that you, Christians, are a chosen people. Not a chosen person, a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a group of, a community of people for God's own possession. The very thing we are doing was never intended to be a service to attend, content to consume, or a building to inhabit, but a community of people to engage in. God never envisioned an isolated group of people that gather together in a room for an hour once or twice a week. But so often that's what we settle for. We're like what C.S. Lewis calls, many of you have heard this quote, ignorant children who want to go on making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine what is meant by a vacation at the beach. We are far too easily pleased. Jesus is calling us out of isolation and loneliness into this authentic, visible expression of community. And and, and we say no to it because we're content with just this individual, personal relationship. It's just me and God, and, and I'll handle everything else on my own. God's plan for us, for me, for you, is that we would form a vibrant and authentic community that would exemplify the way of Jesus to our community around us. I'd summarize it in this statement. I would say that authentic biblical community is God's vehicle for holistic human flourishing. 
authentic biblical community is God's vehicle for holistic human flourishing. Wow, that's a pretty powerful statement, right? I just spent the last 10 minutes complaining about Christian community, and now I'm supposed to convince you that it's God's vehicle for holistic human flourishing? That sounds like over-promising and under-delivering, right? Anybody? Well, here's the fun thing about preaching, is sometimes I'm both convincing myself and you at the same time of something the Scripture says, even when I'm not so sure. It might be a fair critique for you to say, man, this seems like a pretty powerful statement for a, a pretty big promise for biblical community when your experience and my experience hasn't always lived up to that. And that's a fair critique. I'd respond to that critique with a story. Uh, when I went to Bible college, I was assigned a roommate that I'd never met before. His name was Rob. He was great. Him and I were what you would expect from freshman boys in college. Irresponsible. Um, slobs, late, all, all of the things, right? And him and I used to ride to breakfast together. And, and the college that I went to, not many freshmen had vehicles. And Rob, I just so happened to be blessed by God with a roommate who had a vehicle. And so I was like, this, is, this works, right? And so Rob and I would ride to breakfast together. But I can't tell you the amount of times that I remember us waking up at the very last second and running out of the dorm room with maybe clothes that fit dress code, if we were lucky, and getting ready to hop into his car to drive to breakfast, only to find that his car, because I went to school in northeast Pennsylvania, was covered in frost. So we did what any good college students would do. Roll down those windows, start at the car, and I would stick my head out the window and tell him how to navigate to the breakfast cafeteria. I tell you this story because that situation, that vehicle that I had to get to breakfast might not have been the vehicle of choice, but it's the one we had. And you might look at God's plan and, and God tells us, I believe in his word, that, that biblical community really is the vehicle that he's going to use for our own flourishing and for the flourishing of those around us. You might look at that and say, that's not how I would do it. I might look at that and say, I don't know if that's how I would have designed it, but it is the vehicle that God gave us. And so for us to neglect it would be foolish. God has always been in the business of using broken people to display his plans of salvation in broken but beautiful ways. His prayer before he went to the cross in John chapter 17, Jesus says this, I am praying not only for my disciples, these disciples that are with me, surrounding me as I'm going to the cross, but also for anyone who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. That's Christians, followers of Jesus. We've, we've made it. Jesus is praying for you. And what is he praying for you? I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they be in us, so that the world will believe that you sent me. Jesus is about to leave. He says, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit will fill individual believers. And then he prays that those individual believers won't stay individual, but they will gather together as one group of people. And that through their unity and their love for one another... The rest of the world will see what true Christian community looks like. This is Christ's prayer. 
that the Spirit of God would fill the people of God, and that the people of God would form an authentic community that could display His love and grace to a watching world. So, what, is, what does this look like? What is an authentic biblical community that, that is God's vehicle for holistic human flourishing look like? Let's unpack it. First, with authentic, right? The community that Christ has called us in to is one that we are willing to have all cards on the table. It's a community that values both humility and honesty, refuses hypocrisy. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, John says that if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in truth. You want to see the authentic community break down? It's when you and I think we're better than we actually are. It's when you and I claim that we don't have sin. And it, like we're in church, so let's be honest, most of us wouldn't say, I don't have sin. Right? Most of us wouldn't say that. But by our actions and what we, the tape we play in our head, oftentimes we think that we're better than we actually are. We claim that we're not really that sinful. Or we look at other people and they're more sinful than we are. And so we create this kind of hypocritical, non-authentic, non-honest, non-humble community because we're fooling ourselves in thinking that we're better than we actually are. Authentic, authenticity breaks down when we pretend we're better than we really are or we justify our sin because it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Sin will grow in your heart if you're not honest with yourself and your brothers and sisters in Jesus. If you refuse to acknowledge or confess the areas where you're selfish, where you're struggling, sin will grow. And where sin grows, destruction is not far behind. Us hiding our sin is like fungus growing under a dead tree stump. It's dark. Nobody sees it, but it is it is growing like crazy. I'm not like, I'm not the prophetic guy that's going to tell you what's true about you. But for some reason, I felt like the Lord asked me to share this this week. Man, I think some of us were weeks or months away from blowing up our lives. Because we're not being authentic. Because we're hiding something deep down in our hearts. It's probably not all of us. It's probably some of us. And it's probably, if, I, if it's you, you probably know it. And so just wrestle with God on that topic. Stop pretending like you're better than you are. You're fooling yourself. And, and there's grace and forgiveness in Jesus. This isn't, this isn't a message of shame. This is what the, the, whole, the holistic community is all about, that you should come to, to your friends, your brothers and sisters in Christ that you trust and say, I have been messing up for a long time and nobody knows and I need help. And there's forgiveness and there's grace and there's freedom and shining a light on sin. Jesus came to shine a light on sin so that we could be freed from it, delivered from it. We've got to fight to build relationships with other followers of Jesus on this foundation of grace and truth. Let's be honest with our brothers and sisters about what we're struggling with. And, it, and maybe you're like so far away from blowing up your life, but you know, like, let's be honest. Let's confess our sins to another, one to another. Encourage one another daily so that none of us will be hardened by the lies of the enemy. 
And if we're going to create an authentic culture, not only do we have to confess our sins, but if someone confesses their sins to you, you have to receive them with grace and forgiveness, not condemnation or judgment. It's, 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 it's cyclical because one, one day you're going to be the one confessing the sin and you want to be received in grace and forgiveness. So we're going to create a, a community that God uses to bring about holistic human flourishing. It has to be authentic. And I don't know about you, but I have a vision for our church to cultivate an authentic community where we're filled with humility and we refuse hypocrisy. And it starts with each of us. It starts with you and me being honest about our brokenness, displaying grace and forgiveness to those who are broken in our midst. This won't be easy, but it will be worth it. It's got to work hard to build this kind of community. I've got a vision for a community that's not just authentic, but it's also biblical. Uh oh. Is this a triggering word for anyone in our culture today? Um, the word biblical has kind of become a, it has, it's become a triggering word for a lot of people, a lot of my friends, a lot of people my age. And, and I understand where they're coming from because many bad people have weaponized scripture. The Bible gets a bad name because of what bad people use it for. But Jesus can't use the community that refuses to take his word seriously. So we've got we've to be both authentic, but we also have to be biblical. It has to be rooted in truth. And what does that mean? What does biblical community look like? It might not exactly mean what you think it means. See, sometimes when we, we think about biblical community, we think about, like, everyone is the same, talk, thinks the same way. Because the Bible says so, right? And so we all believe the exact same thing about everything. But biblical community throughout the scriptures is an extremely diverse community. First Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves. Some of us are free. Galatians also adds some of us are male and female, right? But we have all been baptized into one spirit, into one body. We all share the same spirit. Biblical community is diverse community. Contrary to popular belief, Christian community shouldn't be an echo chamber of your own ideology. I stole that phrase from somebody, and that is good. And you, I'm preaching better than you're responding. Let me say it again. Christian community shouldn't be an echo chamber of your own ideology. The gospel of Jesus has always been filled with people from different ethnicities, cultures, and ideologies. The message of Jesus actually flipped the cultural power structure upside down. If your Christian friendships are filled with people that look exactly like you, think exactly like you, talk exactly like you, believe 100% of the things that you believe, maybe it's not as biblical as you think it is. This, again, if, if, if authentic biblical community is God's vehicle for holistic human flourishing into the watching world, like if Jesus is going to take a community of people and they're going to take the, the message of Jesus to the world and they're going to see it through the way that we interact with one another, I don't think there's going to be anything compelling to our neighbors 
if we all just look exactly alike, talk alike, think alike. Biblical community is diverse. Our culture is full of communities of people that all agree, that all have one mind, one idea, one thing that they believe in. And that, or they refuse to talk about the things that they disagree on. But Christians, we have the same spirit. We've pledged allegiance to the same Savior, which means we should be able to have community and conversations about things that we don't necessarily agree on. We should have an unexplainable unity in the midst of difficult disagreements. This is what Jesus prayed for, that, that people would know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. Can we be honest? I'm going to be anyway, so I don't know why I ask questions. I shouldn't do that. Maybe that's in my preaching class a couple videos from now. Maybe I'll learn better. Being corrected isn't fun. No one likes confrontation in the moment, but some of my deepest moments of spiritual growth have happened when a brother or sister that I love pulled me aside and looked me in the face and corrected me with truth. Biblical truth. I don't know about you, but I've got a vision for a diverse community of people from different backgrounds and cultures with different ideas, all finding common unity around the empty tomb of Jesus. My hope is that this all sounds really good to you, but how do we get there? Here's the bad news. I don't have a silver bullet. Authentic biblical community is slow and difficult and hard. And it takes intentionality and commitment. It requires us to intentionally get out of rows and into circles. Authentic biblical community never is going to come from a few hours on a Sunday with 200 people in the room. Authentic community will be not just be built on Sunday mornings, but in living rooms, community parks, hiking trails, vineyards, cigar shops, and anywhere else you live, work, worship, or play. Let's get in relationship with one another outside of the larger congregation. Hebrews chapter 10. Again, intentionality, commitment. The writer of Hebrews says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. That's biblical. We all have the same Savior. We all have the same message of salvation. We hold tightly to that because it can be trusted. But let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Ooh, we have to apply the biblical truth. We don't just get to fill our minds with it. We don't just all get to have the same ideas, but we actually have to go live it out. And he says, how does this happen? Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. It's going to be tempting to just take your relationship with God, slide in here, sit in a room, celebrate with a bunch of people, and then get out of here and not ever have a real conversation with anybody. Don't neglect your meeting together, as some people do. Encourage one another, especially now that the day is drawing near. Hebrews 3 says, encourage one another daily. Build relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ that see you on a regular basis during the week and know when things aren't going well and can be there for you. These passages, they're filled with intentionality. This kind of community isn't going to happen without intentionality. We live in a culture. I hate to be the guy that always rails on culture, but our culture, it's just sinful, right? Like, our culture is directed by ideas that aren't 
always godly. We live in a culture that pushes compatibility over commitment. Our communities, we're encouraged to get in communities with people that we're compatible with rather than being committed to the group of people that God has called us to. It took me like, I'm looking at my wife because I love her. It took me like six days of marriage to realize that I'm not compatible with anyone. I'm a sinner, man. I am a jerk, and I constantly do things to hurt the person that I love the most. And people that love me constantly do things to hurt me. We're not compatible with anybody. And that's why if we're going to have authentic biblical community, we have to be committed to it. There's this verse that we read all the time at weddings, 1 Corinthians 13, about what love is. And we read it because we're trying to encourage that couple, look, in like three days, you're not going to love each other very much. And it takes a vow. It takes a commitment. It takes, it takes intentionality. The, the problem is this verse isn't written to married couples. It's written to us. This is what Paul says should be true of our community. We should be committed in unconditional love that is patient and kind not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Some of us are really biblical and really rude. Not irritable, keeps no record of being wrong, doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up. Commitment. Love never loses faith. Commitment always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. I don't know about you, but I have a vision for a group of people that are authentic, diverse, and committed to one another because of our individual commitment to King Jesus. I don't know about you, but this sounds like something that's worth the pain and difficulty that it's going to take to form. And this community that we've described for the last few minutes, I believe, is God's vehicle for holistic human flourishing. And I realize that that is a very loaded phrase. It's, it's my attempt to paraphrase Christ's invitation in John chapter 10, that he came to give life and life more abundantly. The invitation to follow Jesus, it is sacrificial. It does mean lie, laying down our life, but the promise is that we will receive a life that is far more abundant than the one we would have had if we followed our own desires for the rest of our lives. Community is the vehicle that God uses to bring us to the vision that he has for be holistic, to be spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, to be all of these areas of our life. We, we get a picture of what this looked like in the early church in Acts chapter 2. Most of you are familiar with this passage. We actually read it not too long ago, a couple of months ago. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, this is the, the first church gathering together. There's 3,000 of them that are added to the church, and it says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. There's a spiritual component to this community. They worshiped together. They prayed together. They saw God do incredible things through their community. A deep sense of awe. 
It wasn't just spiritual, though. It wasn't just let's come, worship together, and then move on. It was physical. It says all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. It was this contagious generosity about them. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared their money with those in need. It's physical. It's spiritual. They worshiped together at the temple each day. And this is where it gets really uncomfortable for Americans. They met in their homes. When's the last time you had a brother or sister in Christ in your, in your living room? It's like, we don't do it very much anymore. It's weird. You want authentic community to happen? Get in each other's living rooms. And they, they, they had both a spiritual worship and a physical care for one another, which led to, I believe, emotional and mental health. It says, with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the good will of all people. That sounds like holistic human flourishing. And what happened when they took care of one another, what happened when they formed this authentic biblical community where, where, where holistic human flourishing was happening in their group? Each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved because their neighbors, their co-workers, their friends, they saw the community that was being formed around the gospel of Jesus, and they said, what's going on? I want that. I want to be able to fail epically and see forgiveness and grace and unconditional love. I want to have the worst day of my life and somebody that I love show up and hold up my arms because I can't hold them up on my own. This is the type of community that God says is going to bring about holistic human flourishing, the abundant life for us and for those around us. Scripture's filled with depending on what count you accept, like 61 and other commands. You can't do those commands on your own. A couple of them say, love one another, show hospitality to one another, encourage one another, care for one another, outdo one another in showing honor. Authentic biblical community is God's vehicle. Might not be the one you would choose. Introverts in the room, I know. You're like, is there another way? No, there isn't. There isn't. This is it. This is the thing that Jesus prayed for, and, and, and it's the thing that's going to bring about the kingdom of God in the city of Winchester as it is in heaven, is us being intentional to form authentic biblical community. We can't do it alone. Eugene Peterson is one of my favorite Christian wordsmiths. He says it this way. He says, there can be no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in following Jesus, no wholeness in the Christian life, apart from the immersion in and embrace of community. And I love this line. He says, I am not myself by myself. Authentic, biblical, Christian community is God's vehicle for human flourishing. And I don't know about you, but I've got a vision for a community like that being formed here. 
one where people like my friend Seth, who think that it's perfectly reasonable and fine to follow Jesus alone and not tell anybody about it, never talk to anybody about it, the people like that would be drawn out of their isolation into a community of people that want to encourage them daily to continue the fight. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're here and you're like, man, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a lone wolf. I'm a lone ranger. I love Jesus, but don't like his people. I get it. It might not be the vehicle you would choose, but it's the one that God gave us. And so we've got to be intentional to lean into it. I've got a vision for a community where people like my friend Billy, who didn't really fit in anywhere else, can fit in here, can belong to our community of faith. And that sounds really good at the end of a message, but you guys know what that means, right? might get weird. Because <laughs> God likes to save weird people. And a lot of communities around might say, you're too weird for this community. You've got too much stuff going on. You've got too many different ideas than I have. You love Jesus? Welcome here. You've got a vision for that type of community. The type of community where people like me, and I know so many of you, would be convinced that it's worth persevering through the pain. It's worth forgiving people that you don't want to forgive. It's worth showing up day in and day out. And I've got a vision for a community that's compelling to people like my friend Rob. Who might be convinced that Christian community is not as hypocritical or goofy as he thought it was. And that he would realize that there is a far greater community here than at the local bar. This is the type of authentic community that starts with you and with me being intentional with one another. And I'm crazy enough to believe that if we get it right, that God is going to answer Christ's prayer in John 17. And that our neighbors and our co-workers and our friends will know that Jesus is God because of our love for one another. That's our growth plan here at Candace Community Church. That's how the kingdom of God comes to the city of Winchester, us being committed and intentional to form authentic biblical communities. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word that often challenges me to do things that I don't want to do often calls me to places that I don't want to go. Often encourages me to do life with people that I'm not so sure about. God, but I trust you. I trust your word. May we be a people that trust your word enough to hop that is authentic biblical community, even if it was the one we wouldn't choose. May we be invested in it, and may you reach lost people all over this city because of the way that we love one another. 
Jesus' name I pray. Amen.